0: You're listening to the best of the day. I you, the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff.
1: Good morning, Vancouver. Six o'clock on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Halford. It is bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. It's an abbreviated good morning, good morning, because it's just a dog on the wheels of steel today. Oh. Good morning, a dog. Good morning. Laddie has run into some vehicle problems this morning. Uh, he will not be joining us for the next three hours as we take you through everything that happened and is going to happen in the world of sports. Uh, real quick. Before we get to anything, I need to tell you that Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I'll also say that a dog, a singular canine, is doing the work of two dogs today. It's a two-dog day, but with just one dog. Yes. So if there's any glitches along the way,
0: have
2: patience with us. And blame Laddie. Yeah. That's the easiest thing. Yeah. We're coming I to- know I do.
0: We're coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. So, for
1: example, the live stream has not started yet, even though the show has started. There's just this holding screen that says, there we go. We're on camera now. Okay, what's happening on the program today? You may be asking. Lots of guests on the show today. 6.30, our good buddy Justin Bourne, NHL analyst from Sportsnet. Uh, We were on a text thread the other day with Bourne while the Canucks were losing badly to the Montreal Canadiens because Bourne, of course, was on the panel working the intermissions. So he has plenty of things to say about the current state of the local hockey squadron as they play Toronto tomorrow, 4 o'clock, on a nationally televised game on Sportsnet.
0: uh, Just a little insider info here. We just told Bourne what to say. We're like, rip Tanner Pearson. It's true. It's true. He's just reading off his phone. You can't
1: see. That's the magic of television, but that's what he was doing. So Bourne's going to join us at 6.30 to talk about what's coming up for the Vancouver Canucks. 7 o'clock, Brady Henderson, ESPN, NFL Nation Seahawks insider is going to join us. Uh, The Seahawks are off in Germany. They're going to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. It's a 6.30 start locally. Talk to Brady about all that, what to expect. This is the Seahawks' last game before the bye. They can go into that bye with a real solid grip. On the NFC West, which is just a wild thing to say out loud. So we'll talk to Brady at 7 o'clock about that. 7.30, so that'll be an interesting time for the show because uh, the the pre-World Cup friendly between Canada and Bahrain is going to get underway at 7.30. While that's going on, we're going to talk to former Vancouver Whitecaps goalie David Osted here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. He's going to be our resident football insider, for the next little bit, and then hopefully carrying over to 2023 as well. We'll ask him about Canada. We'll ask him about the squad that may or may not be going to Qatar. We can look at some of the other teams in the group as well, now that all the rosters are slowly coming to form. So David Osted at 7.30, o'clock, Moj is here. Big game for the BC Lions on Sunday. It is the Western Final in the Canadian Football League. Lions have a chance to go to their first Grey Cup since 2011, so we'll talk to Moj about that. I mentioned the Canada Bahrain game. That's from Bahrain at 7:30. Uh, light night in the NHL. Big night in the NBA. And it is ask us anything Friday on the show. So if you have anything you want to ask us, text into 650 650. That's the Dunbar Lumber text line. It is the Smalt alternative. We will answer your questions throughout the show. Uh, that is what's happening on the program. Uh, A dog. Let's tell everybody what happened. <laughs>
0: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the
2: action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed, you missed that? What happened?
1: So here's what we're going to do we're going to do a little bit of a recap, but we're also going to look ahead to what is a very big weekend for Vancouver slash British Columbia sports fans. We've got the, the Canucks and the Leafs. Saturday, 4 o'clock, Hockey Night in Canada. Big game there. And then the Lions and the Bombers to decide who will represent the West in the Grey Cup on Sunday. But I do want to put out the Canucks news from yesterday. Team obviously wasn't on the ice. There was no media availability. But uh, Vancouver Canucks forward Tanner Pearson underwent successful hand surgery, and will now be out for the next four to six weeks. The club announced that on Thursday while also calling up Sheldon Dries from AHL Abbotsford.
0: So uh, Tanner Pearson has had a better week. Yeah, it's not great. In in his life before uh, this current one. Uh, That game for him, let's count up all the things that happened. Sure. Um, He took a bad penalty early in the game and... The Canucks got scored against. Montreal scores on the power play, so it's one nothing Habs. So people were already blaming him like a minute in. Then uh, did he tip home that point shot past Thatcher Demko? I think I think he might have. Uh, so he had an own goal in soccer terms, <laughs> uh, and then uh, he hurt his hand, uh, which required hand surgery. Um, he has to, he had to leave that game. Obviously, he didn't finish the game, and it was so bad for him during that game that. When the Canucks tweeted out that Tanner Pearson will not return to the game, normally what happens is they tweet out that he sustained a lower body injury or upper body injury or some sure. sort of injury. Like he's injured and will not return to the game. And when I first saw that, I was like, okay, wait a minute. This is probably an injury. But I also thought, okay, did he get Pulled off the ice? Has he been traded halfway through the game? Did he like pull a Mitch Marner and like leave the bench? Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, I it, it it was it was going so bad for him during the game that I honestly I looked at that and I was like, man, like did he? And then finally, um, the broadcast showed that he hurt his hand. So I was kind of like, okay, well it's well it's an injury. But uh, so Tanner Pearson is going to ne- miss the uh, next four to six weeks. He was on. I mean they weren't playing it like it, but he was on the Canucks top line mm-hmm. with JT Miller and Brock Besser. Now, for the record, and we've talked about this right from the very start, I don't I don't like that line. I I never did. I don't think there's enough speed on that line. Uh, It did not play uh, well together, I didn't think, at all. Uh, JT Miller at 5-on-5 has not been good. He's put up a bunch of points on the power play. Uh, Brock Besser has not scored yet, although he missed a few games because of injury. Uh, No goals for Brock Besser, though. That's something that maybe we don't talk about enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Tanner Pearson, the aforementioned Tanner Pearson, who we've been talking about and a lot of people you know if he if he hadn't uh missed that if he's not going to miss uh Saturday's game in Toronto uh because of an injury uh, I think a lot of people would like to have seen him healthy scratched
1: yeah and that's look no one wants to pile on a guy when he suffers an injury it's rather unfortunate but the reality of it is is that narrative was out there prior to Pearson getting hurt was he going to be dropped from the lineup because a couple of things the president of hockey ops Jim Rutherford threw out accountability and the need for guys on the ice to hold themselves to a certain standard and have ramifications if they don't match that standard or meet that standard. So that was one. I mean, Pearson, in addition to taking bad penalties, had one goal in 14 games. That's not the production. That's not viable production from a top six winger. And he is playing and being deployed as a top six winger on the team. And then the other part of this really is that this opens up some opportunities for guys They probably should have gotten a longer look in light of the fact that injured or not, Pearson just wasn't up to snuff and might have been the biggest culprit in terms of lack of accountability so far. Bruce Boudreaux was asked about it after the loss in Montreal on Wednesday night, was asked about the penalty, and was asked about if this is acceptable, and flat out he said no. So, again... I hate to pile on someone when they're already having a tough go of things and his hand is injured and he's going to be out maybe even a month and a half. But the reality of the situation is Pearson might have been out of the lineup anyway. It's probably good news for Hoaglander and Pod Colson. I imagine that they won't have to do any more rotations in and out of the lineup and maybe they'll get a better opportunity to look at some top six minutes.
0: So Sheldon Dries has been called back up from Abbotsford. I actually know what I have to say when Sheldon Dries has been in the lineup, I haven't minded him at all I actually think he's been pretty good now he is a
1: I, responsible professional hockey player Well
0: he's he should have a bunch of goals I mean if I if I have one uh nitpicky thing about him is that he hasn't been able to finish his chances he's had some great chances especially on that second unit power play I don't know if he's going to get into the game on uh Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs Dakota Joshua was a healthy scratch against the Montreal Canadiens Uh, The Canucks are carrying two extra defensemen and an extra forward, uh, Kyle Burroughs and Riley Stillman, were the other scratches against the Montreal Canadiens. So I'm not sure how Bruce Boudreaux is going to address his lineup Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But just looking ahead to that game, with the criticism that the Canucks received in the media yesterday, and it was tee off day. Some of Vancouver it was right Canucks. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alvin mean, show on we, Sportsnet six fifty. We definitely led the way, um, and you know it, some of our criticism was actually picked up on on a national level. I think it was played on Tim and Friends, and just people were talking about the Vancouver Canucks, not just in Vancouver, but across the country in hockey circles everywhere. And as they head to Toronto, where the biggest spotlight is whether you like it or not that's where the biggest spotlight is um, I'll be very curious to see how they come out and how they play and also uh, if the broadcast with the insiders like Elliot Friedman has any little tidbits to share on this team because that's usually how it works. I don't know if everyone knows this but you know Elliot will call his sources ahead of ahead of Saturday's game, and he'll be like, listen, I need something here for the broadcast because we're, we're talking about the Canucks here. What, what can I get here?
1: So the other thing to mention about this weekend as we look ahead to the next 48, 72 hours in sports is that this is also uh, Hockey Hall of Fame induction weekend. So there's going to be even more of a hyper-focus on Toronto, where, of course, the Hockey Hall of Fame is located, and the Vancouver Canucks, because Sedin, both the Sedins and Luongo are all going in. So the festivities actually begin today. Uh, There's going to be a ring ceremony and there's going to be media availability of note. Henrik Sedin won't be there as he is overcoming a bout of COVID. So he's going to take an extra day away from the festivities. But uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Jason, there's going to be a lot of media, even more so in town, circling these two teams in particular because of not just their matchup on Saturday, but also their relationship to the Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony over the weekend. By the way, they all go in on Monday. So that's going to be another day where we spend a lot of time focusing in on this. So the Canucks, they really, look, they really can't escape it right now.
0: I wonder if the Sedins are going to get asked questions about the current state of the team.
1: You'd figure at some point over the course of the next 48 hours that they're going to get asked because they're employees of the team.
0: That's true, too. You know, it would be a little unfortunate, though. I I mean, I'm normally on the side of, hey, you know, like ask the questions that people want to hear. Like people, I, I bet. People out there, although you wouldn't want to take anything away from this special occasion for the Sedins, don't you want to know what the Sedins think of this current operation right There's now? There's also a
1: way that you can ask it without asking it. You can ask about yeah. the great camaraderie and culture and the powerful nature of their teamwork in 2011 and maybe how it compares to the current squad or how what could the current squad learn from your great teams because they're going in with Luongo. It's going to be a celebration of that team and that era. I just wonder how it's going to play out in real time for a Canucks team. That, To be honest, any we, we, we talked about this yesterday. Any result on Saturday is almost going to be um, – it's not going to turn the season around. That's kind of where we're going with this, is that if they go out and get absolutely skunked, it's going to be the latest in a line of skunkings or unimpressive performances. If they go out and beat the wheels off the Leafs, everyone's going to be, okay, we've seen this before, let's see it two, three, four, five, six games in a row, not just these one-offs where you guys show up and play.
0: But for this group, there's obviously a preferred option, and that would be a good performance yes. against the Toronto Maple Leafs. do not Maples.
1: lose. Go out intentionally lose yeah, the game.
0: Just, just to take the heat off for a little bit. Uh, now, they won't have much time to enjoy that victory if they do beat the Toronto Maple Leafs because they're right back in action Sunday against the Boston Bruins, and that's going to be a tough one. The, the Bruins... Not only have they started strong record-wise, now they're getting healthy. Charlie McAvoy returned last night for the Boston Bruins and the Bruins won again, dealing the Calgary Flames yet another loss. Uh, So the Flames continue to struggle. The Edmonton Oilers are not exactly killing it right now, Uh, especially Jack Campbell, their new goalie. The Carolina Hurricanes put seven past Jack Campbell last night. It is, the goal signing situation has not improved in Edmonton, even though they thought that Jack Campbell would be the solution and paid him like he was the solution. Um, I just want to bring up the standings in the Western Conference right now because, frankly, it is kind of funny. Because in the Central Division, you've got the Winnipeg Jets leading that division. And I don't think anyone expected that. Uh, Dallas is second. Colorado is third. I think we all expected Colorado certainly to be a good team, although they haven't been perfect this year. Um, and Dallas, um, you know, they, they play good sound fundamental hockey. Uh, in the Pacific Division, the top three teams are Vegas. So Vegas has really met or even exceeded expectations this season. They're a bit of a wild card heading into the season, and they look absolutely terrific. The second and third place teams in the Pacific Division, not the teams from Alberta. Mm. It's Los Angeles, who are 9-6-1, and yet they've got a negative goal differential. So, you know, they've been good mostly, but also a bit bad. And then the surprising Seattle Kraken are in... Third position, and they've been legit good. they got a plus-nine goal differential. They're 8-4-2. and two. They've got two games in hand on the LA Kings, so they've actually been better than the LA Kings, who are in second place. Here's the funny part. The wild card in the Western Conference actually has the Arizona Coyotes in a playoff spot. Arizona won again. They're 6-6-1, and so they're NHL 500. The Edmonton Oilers have that first wild-card spot, so the Arizona Coyotes, of all teams, this team that we're all making fun of and we're looking at their lineup and going, this lineup that you're playing in a college arena with that lineup, they're in a playoff position right now. Yeah, they've won three in
1: a row, and you look at... The Pacific Division, first and foremost, the top three teams in the Pacific Division are also the top three teams in the conference right now. One, two, three, Vegas, Los Angeles, and Seattle. It really hasn't gone according to plan, and I think the ramification of all of this is that when the Canucks inevitably play catch-up and start making up some of the gap in the standings, so too are a lot of good teams that are going to be rallying to save their seasons. Teams that came in with equally high, maybe even higher expectations that are going to be fighting tooth and nail. That's a team like Calgary. That's a team like Edmonton, Nashville, Minnesota, St. Louis to a certain degree, by the way, the St. Louis Blues snapped their lengthy losing streak last night with a win over the San Jose Sharks. And it just kind of goes back to all these people that say, you guys are panicking, it's way too early. It's not even all these people, but it is a handful. I'll tell you that. Or they will write this ship. You're right. The Canucks aren't probably going to finish has a 70- or 60-point team. They will, most likely, finish in that mushy middle where they miss the playoffs by anywhere between 6 and 10 points but not being not especially close to it. Now, the wild card in all of this is when they're climbing, how many other teams that are starting down here and trying to end up up here are going to be doing the exact same thing? You've got to figure there's going to be some regression At least in terms of Arizona. I wouldn't be surprised if the crack can come back to earth as well. They're on a five-game winning streak, largely with Martin Jones in that. I don't know how sustainable that's going to be, but they're a better team. The question now, if you're looking at the Pacific Division, is if you've got Vegas, Los Angeles, and Seattle doing what they're doing right now, then you're going to slot in the two Alberta teams, presumably to get better. That's five right there. That's more than half of the division that you're going to have to try and play catch-up with or, in a certain case, leapfrog at two of the bottom ones. That's the challenge, one of the many challenges facing the Vancouver Canucks right now. By the way, speaking of Vegas, did you see Jack Eichel's return? second return to Buffalo yesterday? What happened? Uh, Eichel scored a hat trick (laughs) in the third period in a 7-4 victory over the Buffalo Sabres at Key Bank. On Wednesday night, sorry, Thursday night, it was an interesting game because Eichel actually, the Sabres did not play well. The Sabres returned the puck over like crazy. They gave up seven goals total. Eichel had two uncontested clear cut breakaways on awful turnovers early in the game and didn't score. And then he did all his scoring in the third period, including an empty netter hat trick. And uh, he was much more humble, I would say, in, in his post-game media availability, much more humble.
2: This is why Laddie's not here, by the way. He just got stewing over that game. But he actually yeah, yeah, he he can't bo- stand Eichel he so made, much. made him so angry. Yeah. The, the old he old his own boycott.
1: tires. <laughs> the Eichel
0: boycott, yeah. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres have come back to earth a little bit, or a lot, uh, and that's interesting because the Canucks finish off this current road trip in Buffalo on Tuesday. So just a reminder, they go in Toronto Saturday In Boston Sunday, and then they finish off the road trip uh, Tuesday in Buffalo. Uh, Just Let's talk a little bit about the BC lines. I know we're going to talk to the Moj later in the show. Um, Sunday is all about the BC lines, or it should be in this market. If you want to wake up early and watch the Seahawks, go for it. Uh, They play at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, They're taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Germany. Uh, But the BC Lions have an opportunity with a win over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to advance to the Grey Cup for the first time, as you mentioned, in 2011. Uh, That was the Grey Cup that was won at BC Place. And what a time that was to be a sports fan in Vancouver. You had the Olympics in 2010. Mm -hmm. You had the Canucks going to the Stanley Cup final the very next year, and you had the BC Lions winning the Grey Cup, all the while the Seattle Seahawks were starting to get better. Um, It was really, it was probably the best, oh, it was definitely, for, for me at least, it was the best era I can remember in whatever you want to call it, Vancouver sports history, Pacific Northwest sports history. It, it really was incredible. It seemed like there was a big game every second weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've talked a lot about how we miss those big games being played in the market. I mean, you think of all the big games. Like in, in the span of two years, we had the gold medal game in the Olympics, uh, a game, uh, game seven of the Stanley Cup final plus game seven of that uh, – for series against the Chicago Blackhawks. And then you had a Grey Cup with the BC Lions in it at BC Place. It was incredible. It was an incredible run of games that we had. They didn't obviously all go the way we wanted to them, but some of them did. The Lions won that Grey Cup. Canada won that gold medal game. Uh, So, hopefully the BC Lions can get to another Grey Cup. It's going to be a very tall task. This Bombers team, this is the best team in the CFL. But the wild card is the BC Lions are getting healthy, or they are healthy. Nathan Rourke is back. uh, The receivers are back. And they really just came off uh, just an all-round great victory over the Calgary Stampeders at at BC Place. And though the Stamps are not quite at the level of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Stamps are a good team. And the BC Lions made way more plays than the Stamps. They made them on offense. They made them on defense. And they got to at least be feeling good. Heading into Winnipeg, they will be the underdogs. If the Lions win, it'll be quite an upset. But if the Lions win, they'll probably be the favorites in the Grey Cup.
1: Well, they're obviously going to be the favorites in the Grey Cup because the Grey Cup is probably this weekend. All due respect to the Montreal Alouettes and the Toronto Argonauts. But if you look at everything across the board, this is the two best teams in the CFL meeting up in the West Final, right? I mean, if Nathan Rourke had been healthy the entire year, this would have been a clash of the titans. In the West, never mind what was going on in the East, but it's going to be interesting to watch play out. It's unfortunate that this game is in Winnipeg and then of course the Great Cup is going to be in the Prairies as well in uh, Saskatchewan. But in terms of having the big games here, it will be interesting to see if the Lions can ride that momentum from last weekend because there were a lot of, as I like to say, the positive vibes. There was a good vibe check there for the Lions and for their fans after last weekend. They had the 30,000-plus in attendance. Rourke looked good, and he managed to withstand a lot of hits and a lot of pressure as well. I kind of feel like the Lions can go into this one. Not necessarily playing with house money, but they've had a good season. They ticked a lot of boxes. They went 12-6. and They hosted and won a home playoff game. Nathan Rourke went out and came back healthy. So a lot has gone right for them. I feel like they can play free and loose, and just go out and not worry about... Honestly, not worry about the result. Because I think that on talent alone, they match up pretty well, but no one's expecting him to get out of Winnipeg with a win. Everyone is already penciling yeah. the Bombers into the Grey Cup final. And rightfully so. They've been the best team in the CFL. They've got the reigning most outstanding player in Zach Kalaros.
0: And he's had the best <laughs> statistical campaign of his career. If the Lions pull off the win, how many tickets will go for sale in the Grey Cup in Regina? Because I imagine... A lot of them have been bought up by Bombers fans.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think, right? I mean, that's kind of where this whole thing was leading towards was going to be a sort of Prairie Festival in the Grey Cup. The from the moment
2: that
0: an the in yeah. an invasion of Winnipeggers into Regina. That's a, like is that a thing? That's
1: a feud, right? They're going to obviously fights with like knives and chains and the whole bit. Banjos. We could pretend Banjos that that's a feud. Yeah, yeah. Let's,
2: let's invent that. And start spreading the
1: news. So on the subject of the Lions, Moj is going to join us at 8 o'clock here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We can look ahead to that big Sunday where he's going to be on the call for the Lions game. We can also get into the Seahawks stuff as well. Uh, Coming up on the other side of the break, though, first time we've had him on this season, our good buddy Justin Bourne, NHL analyst from Sportsnet. So we can look at everything that he saw on Thursday night while working on the panel for the Canucks and Habs game. We can then look ahead to this game on Saturday when it is the Leafs hosting the Canucks at 4 o'clock on national television uh, on Hockey Night in Canada. We have a lot more to get to on the program. A reminder, keep sending in your Ask Us Anythings. Hashtag them, A-U-A. You can ask us anything, sports or non-sports, and we will try our best to answer it. The Dunbar Lumber Text line is 650-650. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download
0: the full show through Apple Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the best of the day.
3: I say you're the best. Simply, simply the
0: best. Halford and Bruff.
1: 802 on a Friday, Halford Bruff, SportsNet 650. Alfred and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Uh, We are in hour three of the program. Hour three brought to you by Campbell and Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet at Campbell Pound.com today. Uh, Quick update from Balrain. It is now 1 1 between Canada and and Bahrain in a pre-World Cup friendly. Uh, Ismail Kone, the CF club foot Montreal sensation, who I think is going to be on the Canadian roster and might get a shot at playing some significant minutes in the midfield. He's considered the next one. So CF al- club foot? Club de foot. Oh. Yeah, but I call it club foot. Um, so, you know, Alfonso Davies made the jump to Europe. Uh, so did Jonathan David. So did Tejan Buchanan. Kone is supposed to be the next great like, young Canadian phenom going over. So we'll keep tabs on that. That's currently going on right now. But we need to get to the Canadian Football League in this Western Final on Sunday between the Lions and the Bombers from Winnipeg. Who better to break it all down than Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: A presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. What up, Moj? You know, it's kind of funny. You guys were talking about writing. I was listening to you guys online, and I don't know if you guys know, but I'm writing a column now for Black Press. I've been doing it for about six to eight weeks, and it's been a lot of fun. But I was listening to Prof talking about his writing experience and how hard it was. I think I stayed up like about 2 or 2.30 last night. Um, I did a podcast with Brendan Morrison and kind of decided to dedicate the column to Brendan and what he's been up to and the transition out of hockey. Mm -hmm. And I agree with Jason. I mean, radio is so much easier. You do the interview and that's it. When you write, you got to do the interview. And then, oh, yeah, I've got to actually write this out now. So it was pretty interesting listening to your conversation last night.
0: You should just just read old Rick Riley calls. (laughs) 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 Plenty of ideas (laughs) at the back page of Sports
1: Illustrated, my friend. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, Moj, I get, we got to turn our focus to this game on Sunday. We've been talking about it a lot today. Yeah. Um, it is I, – I don't want to say it out loud, but I already did, so I'll say it again. This is, to me, the Grey Cup final. Just repackaged in the Western final. This has meant as no disrespect to Montreal or Toronto, but I mean, if you look at every metric across the board, standing statistics, whatever, it's pretty clear that the two best teams of the remaining four are playing this Sunday in Winnipeg. Am I wrong?
3: No, you're right. I think these are the two best teams. Um, to say that it's the Grey Cup final, uh, to me, that might be a little bit of a stretch. And I say that because you got to remember how big this game is and whoever wins this game is going to have to reset and refocus next week for the Eastern division champion. So, um, yeah, I agree with you, but yet at the same time, I still think whatever happens in that one game in Regina, I mean, it's still to be determined.
1: I've noticed that a lot of the talk from the Bombers side of things is showing an awful lot of respect, rightfully so, but an awful lot of respect to Nathan Rourke and the talent level, uh, in part because I think that a lot of people were impressed with how he came off the foot injury and then was able to orchestrate a victory for the Lions uh, against Calgary on the weekend. Um Have you had a chance to watch Rourke this week extensively? How does he look? How did he respond from, uh, let's be honest, he took some hits against Calgary as well. They roughed him up. He gutted it out. He stuck through it. But uh, where was Nathan Rourke at in practice this week?
3: Well, he he looked fine. I mean, for what he is right now, clearly he's not 100%. um, But we had an opportunity to talk to Nathan after the first practice this week on Tuesday. and It was interesting because I said to him, I said, was there any anxiety waking up Monday? after the game and in terms of how your foot would respond and he kind of chuckled he says well kind of but all the anxiety went away so every monday night believe it or not he gets an x-ray taken okay and he said once the x-ray was taken on monday night um and everything was uh fine structurally he felt a lot a lot more at ease now compounding the problem is that he needs to rest to get the swelling down yet at the same time he doesn't want to miss any practice time doesn't want to miss any reps. So. You know, the swelling will go down a little bit. And then, of course, the swelling will go back up after he practices and it goes down. So it's kind of a no-win situation for him right now. But in terms of where he's at, I think he's, he's fine or as good as he can be at this point. Uh,
1: the Bombers present a huge challenge, obviously. The record suggests it. But the quarterback position, uh, it's going to be a far cry. I'll do respect. Again, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone, but I'll do respect to Jake Mayer and Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, Zach Klaros is the reigning MOP Uh, This is a great season for him statistically. Maybe the best season of his career. So behind center, uh, the Lions are going to face a much more difficult task, I would say, than they did last week against Calgary.
3: Without a doubt, And you look at his performance against the Lions in week five, it was probably one of his best performances of the year. Uh, I think what the Lions want to do defensively and talking to defensive coordinator Ryan Phillips is I think they want, well, I don't think, I know, they want to keep Zach Caleros in the pocket. They don't want Caleros extending plays because he's extremely dangerous when he does extend plays, when he breaks contain or, or steps up into the pocket. And those times that it becomes street ball, as Ryan Phillips calls it, his favorite target at that point is Dalton Schoen, who's had an outstanding campaign for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, led the league in touchdown receptions. So um, that, I think, is key number one for the Lions on defense is to not allow Zach Coleros to extend plays. And if you go back to that game in week five, that's something that he did very well against the Lions in cost costume.
0: What else about the Bombers makes them such a good team?
3: They know how to win. I mean, you know, it's, it's a cliche, but they have enough veterans on that team. And they have that culture that no matter what the circumstances, they believe they're going to find a way to win. I mean, you win back to back championships, uh, you're doing something right. And they have a lot of impact players, too. I mean, you know, when everything, when the cream rises, so to speak, you know, it's, you know, you always hear that expression, your best players have to be your best players. But when you have impact players like Adam Big Hill or Willie Jefferson or, or Brandon Alexander or Caleros or this year it's Dalton Schoen. Those guys step up in big situations when they're needed, and when they do, the Bombers usually wind up winning football games.
1: They won 15 of them this year, 15-3, and three, like a sparkling record. So let me ask the question the other way. With Are there any weaknesses or are there any commonalities in just those three losses for the Bombers, maybe something that teams could pick out or something that cost them in those three, or is this just a team that's really, really good?
3: Uh, they're a team that's really, really good, but I think if you're going to beat Winnipeg, I mean, we talked about some of the things offensively and that was obviously to, to keep Caleros in the pocket. I think when you're looking at the Bombers and how you attack them defensively, you have to be able to run the football on them. That's not easy. Um, you have to be able to get into situations where it's second and four, second and three, and make those, as you know, they'd like to say stay ahead of schedule because if you get into second and long situations and all of a sudden you're allowing Willie Jefferson to pin his ears back or you're allowing sales or Jeff code or any of those guys they have up front to bring it on a pass situation, you're making life extremely difficult for yourself.
1: Uh, so with that said, is it safe to assume there might be a healthy dose of James Butler on
3: Sunday? Well, I think if the Lions want to win, there has to be a healthy dose of mm-hmm. James Butler and, or um, those extended handoffs that we always talk about, you know, like hitting Butler out of the flat, hitting Butler out of the backfield in the flats or, You know, maybe checking it down to him over the middle. But you have to do something to allow yourself to get into manageable
1: second downs. Because he did a good job of that against Calgary. Like I think it was, what, like 20 carries for almost 100 yards. It wasn't super flashy. There weren't any. I think there was maybe one run over 20 yards. But he was able to keep, like, you know, all the cliches like keep the sticks moving or make your next downs manageable. But that's uh, that's understandable because he's been a really good runner for them all year.
3: Well, yeah. But, you know, if you look at the numbers, too, guys, his second half, he's been outstanding. He has completely flipped it around in the second half compared to his production in the first half. Not that he was bad in the first half, but like the, the second half of the season, he's just been absolutely been lights out for the BC Lions. And you're right. He, he's not that type of runner that's going to rip off um, a 70-yard run or I think his longest run of the year this year might be like 35 or something. I mean, it, it's not that long. And most of his runs are like 15 yards or less. He's not that type of back that, you know, rips off a 40-yarder, rips off a 60-yarder. At the end of the day, he has 15 carries for 132 yards or something. He's just that constant churning, five yards, three yards, eight yards, nine yards, 14, 12, that type of runner.
0: Do you think Rick Campbell have any tricks up his sleeve uh, to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Uh, I don't know if it's going to get it done with a conservative game plan. He had a he had one pretty good trick against the Calgary Stampeders, third and short, ended up getting a touchdown. Um, what do you think his mentality will be going into this game?
3: Well, I think you're bang on. If they've got anything that they can use, they'll use it. I mean, they have to win this football game to get to the great Cup. And, you know, it's funny, Julio Caravetta, uh, obviously our color analyst on the broadcast, had a conversation with offensive coordinator Jordan McSimmick. They had that play on third and short in their book in their playbook for two years. Jordan Metzamek told Julio that they've been sitting on that play for two years (laughs) looking for the right time to use it. And guess what? They used it. So, yeah, I mean, they've got plenty of aces up their sleeves. The question is, do they find the right situation to use in it? And not just the situation, but, you know, when you – and Jordan talked about this with Julio. The ball had to be on the right hash the ball you know they they had to be in this sort of alignment so mm-hmm. it's almost like a perfect storm for that to occur but the Lions got it and they used it.
0: Will weather be a factor on Sunday in Winnipeg? I'm looking at the forecast high of minus six low of minus 12.
3: Yeah um, it's supposed to be sunny from what I've seen The the one thing that I think I would be concerned with is not necessarily the minus six but the wind right because if it's really windy now that minus six becomes more like minus 15 or minus 20 so um i haven't looked at the the wind factor yet but I've, from what i've been told earlier i don't think it's that bad so we'll see but to me that's the bigger concern if there's a wind and, and that minus six like i said all of a sudden feels like minus 15.
0: all right Moje, uh it's that time Where we where we do an ask us anything for you. That time of the week. Ask us anything every week. Ask us anything Friday. This is not necessarily for you, and it's not food related. So you're going to step outside your comfort zone a little bit here. This one's from Matt and Abby. Ask us anything. Have you ever seen anything unexplained, like a Sasquatch or a ghost or a UFO? Anything happen in your life where you're like? That is crazy. I cannot explain that. I now believe in ghosts or aliens or whatever. Anything in your life? No. Oh, that's uh, boring. Off the top of my head,
3: no. Oh. Do you, okay, you, though, here's was, a follow-up
0: I, question. Follow-up question. Well,
3: hold on. When I was a kid, though, like, we'd always go, like, up to Kelowna and Kamloops, like, you know, this little summer getaways for the weekends and stuff. I would be glued looking to the side of the road, like, looking into the hills for a Sasquatch. Right. Yeah. What about Ogopogo? Uh, if yeah, you my kid to did Oklahoma. that with Ogopogo
1: this summer. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, bet, he, I bet he had like, I
0: think that's it, yeah. a couple <laughs> times. Is that is that one? He thought he caught <laughs> it. Oh, that's a wave. He,
1: he thought he caught it once. I'm like, eh, I don't think the Ogopogo is going to fit walk. your kitty rod
0: there, bud. My follow-up question is, do you believe in aliens or ghosts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which which, <laughs> which one? Aliens, ghosts, Both. Both. Really?
3: I mean, there's there's just too much stuff going on to think that it's all a fraud or all a hoax. Same thing with ghosts, right? What do you um, mean too
0: much stuff going on? Is that, that's like a many people say that there are ghosts.
3: Well, no, but I mean, like, you know, you see these, these videos of airline pilots looking at lights in the sky and not being able to identify them. I've seen videos of fighter pilots looking at unidentified flying objects. I mean, there's just too many of those things right. that are out there. That you know, that I just can't believe that it's a hoax. I actually believe that it has to exist. Same thing with, with ghosts. I'm going down to New Orleans after the great Cup <laughs> and you know, reading some of the stories there about haunted places mm-hmm. and, you know, the Burb the, the bo- new it's, kind of, it's called the Bourbon Hotel, the Bourbon Orleans Hotel, which is supposedly haunted. So again, there's just too many stories from too many different people telling you that, you know, these things are actually occurring.
2: I'm with you, Moj, I believe too. I'm a believer. Yeah, there no you go. kidding. You still believe in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Any, any I still s- believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Moje, I'm with you as well. The truth is out there. We just have to find it. Hey, enjoy the game on Sunday. Have a good call. Uh, we'll do this again next Friday. Thanks, fellas. Go
3: Canada when it comes to soccer.
1: Uh, 1-1 still, but I agree. Go Canada, go. Thanks, Moj. That's Bob the Moj okay. Marjanovic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great Great sele- selection just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. I mentioned Canada still won one with Bahrain, 42nd minute. Uh, it's very rare that we actually get live sporting events on the Halford and Bruff Show in the morning. Not a lot of events go between the hours of 6 and 9 a.m. Have you guys ever seen
2: in. a ghost or a UFO or anything no. crazy like that? Anything um, happen like that in your lives?
1: I think I've seen some like inexplicable stuff, but I, I, my mind's never gone to being like, I just witnessed the paranormal or okay. the supernatural or anything. Yeah, same.
2: Um, I, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed. I wish I have. I don't. Nah, I don't. That
1: that cool. that's, that stuff freaks me out. Yeah. To be honest, that's, I think that's partly why my mind won't go there. Mm-hmm. Is I like, get like just too freaked out at the, the potential impossibility. Aliens
0: are far more likely than ghosts.
1: Yes, to Yes, I
2: agree. Because aliens, there's a science to that, whereas ghosts is like, well, it's just.
0: Well, aliens. If you have think no of way in the universe, of... it's infinite, right? There's so it's probable. Probably, probably something out there, right? But yeah, probable. That's if you yeah. believe in the concept of infinity, or true. ghost
2: aliens. That's true. Well, are there, yeah, that's true. When aliens die, are there ghosts of aliens? Mm-hmm. And maybe have we seen ghost aliens? How deep <laughs> does this rabbit hole go? Uh, Chaton and Surrey
0: with an Ask Us Anything. It's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff show. If you've got any questions for us, and this literally means any questions, sports, entertainment, life, aliens, love, love, text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650, 650. and Surrey has a sports one who should have the biggest gripe for being snubbed of a major individual NHL award? Is it Daniel Sedin losing the heart to Corey Perry in 2011 or Luongo not winning a Vesna ever and finishing second for the heart yeah, in 2007? I saw this one. It's I think great Luongo for sure. Here's the Luongo thing. Luongo never having a Vesna is, I don't know. That's just, just seems wrong. He, he,
1: I, I understand. It's a great question. First off. So good job, Chayton and Surrey. Um, I understand the 2011 Hart because if I'm not mistaken, Daniel won what is now the Ted Lindsay, uh, the Lester B. Pearson at the time, which is basically the most outstanding player voted by the players. Was that the season
0: where Corey Hart went on? uh, Corey Hart, Corey Perry went on that. He wore sunglasses at night and then scored a bunch of goals at the end of the season. He broke out of his box.
1: Um, Yeah, he scored 50 goals that year. Right, which was which was
0: like crazy at the time. That's. He 50 was, goals he, imagine
1: he wasn't the leading point getter in the NHL that of course was Daniel Sedin who had 104 but Perry went on a crazy heater at the end of the year finished with 50 I kind of remember him breaking the 50 barrier and just getting there in dramatic fashion very late in the year mm-hmm. and a lot of people said that propelled the vote not realizing that the votes had already been cast like well before that
0: What is the the, the biggest honor that Luongo ever received in in terms of awards, individual award, not, I'm just honest, not like, much. he. I guess he shared the Jennings with, with uh, Schneider. Schneider in 2011. But that's kind of like winning the scoring race. isn't that just the lowest? Is that just the lowest goals against?
1: Roberto Luongo not winning.
0: He won a v- Scotiabank fa- Fan Fave Award yeah, in that... two thousand and nine.
2: Wasn't it the year he lost to Broder, where everyone was like, "How did he not win the Vesna that they year?" They gave Broder because this stupid award is
1: voted on by the yeah. stupid general managers, which mm-hmm. is I don't understand why. But um, they gave Broder one of those lifetime achievement Vesnas exactly for the exact same year where Luongo was clearly oh yeah he was clearly like clearly the most valuable goalie yeah. in the league like uh, dominating. Broder had really good numbers. Don't get me wrong. Like It wasn't like he wasn't deserving, but this, the Canucks were nowhere without Luongo. They were to the point where you could have made an argument that he was the most valuable player in the league. Was that the They're, Dallas
2: playoff year,
1: or was that? Yeah, was it, that was 2007. was that year, right? That was yeah. 2007. He just carried them through Dallas, yeah. And then it kind of becomes this thing where you look back and you're like, man, for the, the resume that he had and for the Hall of Fame career that he had, to never have the award that celebrates the best... Because, I mean, oftentimes... The Hall of Fame argument is, was this guy ever the best player at his position at any stretch of time? And you had to say yes. But Luongo doesn't have the hardware to show for it, which is so bizarre, you know? And I don't know... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why the decision was made the way that it was. Broder had had plenty of accolades prior to that, plenty of trophies, plenty of individual individual hardware. In retrospect, it looks like one of the biggest snubs in NHL awards history that Luongo never got a Vezna. Juan
0: from Comox with a tough one, ask us anything. If you had a chance to go back in time, would you rather have Canada lose to the Americans in 2010 in the gold medal game, but then have the Canucks win the 2011 Stanley Cup. Damn, and Juan, that is tough. No, it isn't. Canucks. Uh, yeah, I'd Canucks. say yes. I, I would rather have
1: had Canucks. that. I don't I, think I, it's that sure. easy. It is, it is it. for me.
2: Wow. I mean, if you live Canucks in Vancouver, it is, it is I think.
0: It's, it's, it's terrible to say because that day... That Canada won the gold yeah. was such a good day. You
1: guys are grossly understating how dramatically different that day and that moment in time would have been if Canada lost.
2: No, no. Yeah. I, re- I remember. It, w- it would have just been down. It would have been, been, t- been, t- yes. been brutal. It would have been brutal. Yes. brutal. It would have been brutal.
0: Been, absolutely. I'm not disagreeing
1: with that. It was but the Olympics was a waste of time. It,
2: it would have be, been brutal, but the Canucks one was yeah, worse. But the Canucks one was worse. And the
0: Canucks one is still with us. I suppose
1: you'd also have to consider that. It's like a ghost. If Canada.
0: Ghosts do exist, some sort
1: of ghost alien. If the if here's something to definitely consider in this conversation, if Canada had lost, the end of the Olympics in 2010, that final day would have been different. Sure, it would not have resulted in a full scale riot where the city burned.
0: Well, I think the I, think, I don't think I think, so. So. I, don't, yeah. I think there still might have been a riot if the Canucks had won that game. Yeah. But it would have been a happy riot. Yeah, it would have been a happier riot. People would have been would building have, cars. It would have been a riot. Shops. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. It yeah. would have been like roasting marshmallows on yeah. fires <laughs> and that sort of thing. It would, the have, cops been, were it would have been a lot Kumbaya. more yeah. No, but I do think there still could have been trouble downtown because I think there were just so many people downtown. And well, uh, anyway, we don't need to revisit that. But, no. But I would have. I would have definitely taken that because okay. you know, here's another thing. I've seen Canada win. I've seen Canada win a bunch of times. Yeah, it would have been disappointing that it happened in Vancouver, but what a story it would have been if Canada loses that game and then you know a, a year later or whatever it was, a year and a half later, the Canucks then win the Stanley Cup.
1: I disagree with both of you that it's an easy choice. However, having worked through the process, and the goal of Ask Us Anything is to provide an answer and not say, I don't know, it is the right answer.
2: We've convinced Halford.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, what, that's the whole point of this
2: thing, is it not?
1: Is it to browbeat someone until they agree with you because yes. they don't want to argue it anymore? Okay, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll take an early one. Uh, we got to come back. We still need to do, do we still need to do an NFL lock of the week? I know we had our playnow.com locks. We can go week, through the lines, yeah. But sure. we, yesterday, we decided to wager on the American Hockey League. And today's Bahrain-Canada match, which, by the way, Canada is not holding up there into the bargain right now. I picked them to win in Bahrain, 1.75 odds. They were the favorites. It's tied 1-1 at the half.
0: Well, you know, the Abbotsford Canucks didn't come through for me either last night. They beat the Henderson Silver Knights, but only by one goal. I thought
1: you were getting greedy on the puck line. I'm just going to throw that out there. I thought you could have just taken them on the money line.
0: Henderson just, lo- Henderson just lost. 7 nothing to San Diego. I guess they were looking for a bounce back after I that. I they, hey, they, mo- they were a motivated team. They were like, this is not Silver Knights hockey. This is not what we, <laughs> over our,
1: what, two-year existence? Didn't the coach actually say we weren't playing up to an AHL level? Is or? Henderson in place? Yes, in Nevada. I didn't yeah. know that. Henderson, Nevada. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about it, what to be honest? honest. I know it exists, but mm-hmm. I don't know an awful lot about it. I'm assuming it's like Reno, but worse. <laughs> And
2: we know if Ned Fighters don't yeah, run it. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Anyway, we got a lot more to get to on the show. We'll run through some uh, NFL lines real quick. We'll do what we learned. We'll do Ask Us Anythings. We'll cap off a Friday show. This is the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of
0: Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.